0: in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Larissa from Creative U, and I am introducing to you today Cricket, no last name needed, um, just like Cher or Madonna. She's that well known in her community. So, Cricket has been practicing shamanism in Edmonton for almost 25 years. She practices the medicine of her grandmother and family from Finland. Her interest in stories and myths from around the world sparked when she began to experience shamanic trances. She shared her intense desire to learn and teach through a shamanic drumming circle she led for 15 years. And during this time, she listened intently to the journeys of others reporting the visual and visceral experiences they had when they. Entranced with the sound of the drum. Entranced with the sound of the drum, sorry. Um, Common themes, symbols, and mythological beings were a constant in her own experiences, as well as experiences shared with her during drumming circles and classes she taught. In her quest to better understand the shamanic visionary world, she studied the works of Carl Jung and other analysts exploring depth psychology. Joseph Campbell introduced her to the world of comparative mythology. She discovered how to put the ancient words and experiences into a modern language accessible to the many. She is currently exploring the mediums of the electronic world as a means of continuing to share her years of experience and knowledge. She has a library of podcasts, learning modules, and newsletters on her website, www.shamansway.net, and I will be including that link with this interview. So you'll be able to find her. And she encourages each of us to find a path for our own feet to trod. So welcome, Cricket.
1: Thank you, creative you, Larissa.
0: (laughs) Cricket and I have known each other forever. It feels like forever. Yeah. And are good friends. And so I thought I would start with someone I was comfortable with and knew their amazing journey uh, to to share with you. So welcome and So, Cricket, can you share some of your story and how you found your current
1: path? I found my current path by someone mentioning offhand that there was a shamanic drumming circle. I was very young at the time. I was only in my mid-20s. Well, now I'm, you know, in my mid-50s. So, you know, in that perspective, it was a long time ago. And I felt like I had come home when I experienced uh, the shamanic drumming and experienced the shamanic trance for the first time. Since then, I have never lost my enthusiasm for the work.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, and I know that about you because you've been yeah. very diligent in sharing with everyone around you. So Ad nauseum. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who you are, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. some of us okay. love hearing about it. So, and So what does healing with creativity mean to you or how is creativity a part of your healing work?
1: I love that question. I really did. It made me think because I had to propose ways that I would utilize shamanism creatively. I think that using a trance in order to find information or knowledge or self-exploration is a good use of the active imagination. The active imagination being a very important aspect of any kind of internal work or any kind of work that is important for us for self-exploration, self-movement, self-journey work. Creativity, from that perspective, you have a mental creativity, you have an imaginal creativity, but further than that, when you come out of the experience, there are many different ways to create. So I've drawn many different types of medicine wheels. I've created tons and tons of altars. So the expression of the inward work to the outward world is how i find the creativity most beneficial to shamanism so inner versus expresses outward
0: oh that's that's uh, that's an interesting answer cuz when i cuz i've known you for so long and i know the work that you do i thought of you know like the mask making i did think of the altars and and things like mm-hmm. that but yeah just the the work itself is quite creative and that's yeah so i hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about it that way and yeah exploring that. So that's, and so what do you think um, is the driving force or is there a driving force that inspires you?
1: The never ending world of spirits. The fact that I have studied this for almost 25 years and I still feel like I know nothing. I still feel that there are so many layers to everything I do. Um, I recognize that other people practice other modalities at the same time. I personally can't do that because there's so much to explore within shamanism that I, I don't expand into other modalities because it's such a great umbrella. So what continually inspires me is the fact that I'm never bored. That really is what inspires me. If I was bored, I would have run a long time ago. That's totally fair. That's I completely really understand that whole boredom thing. I don't do boredom yeah. well. So, yeah. No. No, boredom sucks. That's right. (laughs)
0: um, I'm going to just jump around. I had sent Cricket the questions ahead of time just to sort of prepare. Didn't want to catch her off guard. So I'm going to jump around in some of the questions. Um, So what makes shamanism different from other forms of energy healing?
1: I really like that question um, for the very simple reason that I don't have a great answer for it. So I thought, well, this is a good way to, you know, push my muscles out in a little, in a way. I don't, I know that other traditions use other forms of energy to do healing, such as Reiki is one, Yisui Reiki. Uh, and there's so many other modalities. I think what I find different about shamanism in my, from my perspective, is that there are hours and hours and hours of study that I do and then there becomes that aspect of application. So what is different, I think, although there's study in witchcraft, there's study in Wicca, there's study in Druidism, there's study in the Neo-Pagan and the Norse traditions, I'm not suggesting mm-hmm. that there aren't. However, under the umbrella of shamanism, you can pull in different strings from other things and many other things have pulled things out of shamanism. So where does the difference lie? I think the difference lies in the interpretation of spirit. I think the difference lies in the interpretation of energy work. I think the difference also lies in the interpretation of how you use that energy work. I use a lot of the energy work for healing, not only of self, but healing of others. And I don't have a lot of information with respect to other spiritual modalities and how they specifically work with one-on-one or one in a group to uh, to do healing work, internal healing work or soul work or physical work. I think that shamanism, Has so many different little parts to the recipe that it may be different from other modalities because it's 40,000 years old, practiced globally, and has applications with respect to many different things, whether it's healing the water, healing the body, healing the earth, healing the air, all of those different aspects. Is it different from those modalities? Likely, uh, but I find it more nourishing and more fulfilling than if I were to possibly study something else, but nothing else has caught my attention. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally
0: makes sense and completely fair, right? I think Mm -hmm. that there's so many different um, healing modalities out there. And as someone who has tried a lot of them and and uses a lot of them, um, I think not everybody is comfortable with everything. And so it's really good to have so many different options. Mm -hmm. You have quite a, a following of people who come to you for healing or follow your classes or your podcasts and things like that. And and that works really well for them. And they may or may not use other other um, modalities as well. But, you know, and other people the same thing. So I think it's really, really important that we have that. And the more we can let people know about different things that are available to them, right. you know, it right. allows them to to learn and explore and grow and heal more. So yeah.
1: I think that's... yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing too is, you know, shamanism isn't for everybody. You know, I, we've talked about this before, but in the years that I ran the drumming circle, in the years that I was involved with the drumming circle, we saw where 21,000 people come through the doors. Mm-hmm. And certainly very few people stuck. So I don't believe that shamanism is for everybody. I think neo-shamanism is more palatable, but, Hardcore shamanism is a whole other story. And can you explain the difference for people who may not know? Simply put, uh, neo-shamanism is the use of shamanism or the use of the shamanic uh, methods for healing of oneself. Where shamanism and practicing to be a shaman or working towards being a shaman, and maybe I'll be one when I'm nine, but in the meantime, uh, it is the healing of others, using your modality for the healing of others and not specifically just for self. So I think there are also aspects of the words in shamanism like depossession. Nobody wants to talk about that. It's too frightening, right? Soul mm-hmm. soul loss. How does the soul lose? And why why do we need our soul pieces back? So there are those aspects that I find, you know, are are aspects of why people wouldn't. I think it's very, it's very deep, it's very involved. And I think that from my understanding of working with so many people over the years that there are more people seeking an, an easier path, a gentler path, and one without such complicated language. But, yeah, I think that's
0: completely fair. And people are searching for what works for them and not necessarily to worry about other people, right? Like exactly. there's so much um, hurt and uh, damage in the world and we're just trying really hard to Look after our own selves. I think it's important that we have healers, but not everybody can or wants to be a healer. So being able to just go and find what works best for you to heal your own self, I think is really important.
1: I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think whatever works for you
0: is what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. As long mm-hmm. as you're not hurting other people. Touche, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's our whole s- anyways. We won't even get into that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what strength-based inspirational advice would you give someone who is seeking healing?
1: Oh, man, never give up on yourself. Never, ever give up on yourself. And recognize that there are days when you have zero desire to even look at your own stuff, let alone somebody else's. And just, you know, say nigh, never say die. Just never say die. Every time you fall down, get up. And every time that something happens, get up. If you don't know something, seek it. If you aren't sure about what you're seeking, ask. But I think many people in this world maintain their isolation. I think social media really encourages isolation. And I think many people practice spirituality in isolation. That's been my experience through the years that many people do not necessarily have a practice Indicative of their own self or of their own world, and they and they deal with their spirituality alone. Not that that's a bad thing, but I wonder how a person is an island that can maintain itself self-sufficiently. So the strength and the courage to continue on is not only to be by yourself, but also to never forget that you don't have to be alone. If you're alone, you choose to be alone because with social media, not only is it an isolator, but it's also a community builder. So there's, yeah. two sides medicine, there's two sides to social media. So I would hope that one path in, or one foot in front of the other will help us get to where we need to go. And never, never give up on yourself. Ever give up on yourself. And don't allow the opinions of others to steer you in a direction that isn't healthy for you.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent. And, I, you know, as I'm, I'm building this practice of healing with creativity, it's something I've done my whole life and didn't right. realize it, right? And so now he, trying to encourage other people to do that, um, part of it is online, part of it's in person, but getting mm-hmm. people together, I think, is really, whether it is online in a group or is um, out in a classroom, whatever that is, I think it's really important that people have others to To know that they're not alone, right? Um, and and know that they can um, find the people they need. They can find the encouragement they need. They can find the growth that they need and the healing that they need. So uh, agreed. Yeah, Cricket. What would be your greatest accomplishment to date in shamanism and or your healing
1: work that you do? I well, first of all, maintaining a practice for twenty five years is a huge accomplishment. Uh, And maintaining um, classes for the number, as many years as I have, I think is also a huge, is a huge accomplishment. Doing the, uh, for the ongoing collection of material and information. So I think my greatest accomplishment truly is the ability to gather information to me, to distill that information, and then to express that information, whether it's in a class, whether it's through drumming, or whether it's through teaching. I think that those are what really are, are my greatest accomplishments. The other aspect is that through my podcast and being online, I have been able to talk to and develop relationships with people from all over the world, which is huge to me. And the fact that I live in this you know, central Alberta city in the middle of really nowhere, except for, you know, unless you're an oil capitalist and you believe that Edmonton, Calgary, all the be-all and end-all, right? Uh, So I think maintaining my practice in such a conservative environment, uh, working in my day job in such a conservative environment, and still maintaining my ability to be enthusiastic for spirit, to be in love with spirit, to be compassionate and understanding, not every single minute of every single day, but Mm -hmm. as a general. I think that maintaining my willingness to learn, my willingness to direct my energy has been one of my greatest accomplishments. And again, say "I," I've never said die, even when I feel like it.
0: No, I, I think that's amazing. And it's very true. I've known you for a long time. And, and it's, it's something that is, it's just who you are. It's who yeah. you are and what you do. And it's like, we just know that about you, right? So mm-hmm. that's really really important. Um, I know with my own journey, as you've known Mm -hmm. for the many years, I've had Mm -hmm. a lot of stops and starts um, with including my mental health issues and um, different things like that. So um, finally getting to a point where I'm healthy enough Mm -hmm. to move forward with my own um, practice and sharing is, um, you know, a completely different journey. So I think you're absolutely right that that is a huge accomplishment to have Mm -hmm. been able to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and I think both of us too just mm -hmm. to stop right both of us too have inspired others I know your creative healing work has inspired others your painting has inspired others your speaking your ability to bring things together so I think that that also are huge accomplishments whether there's been starts and stops you've never given up period I've never seen you give up you may put things on the side because you're bored with them, or it no longer represents who you are. But, you know, I think that you have really taken into yourself the words of, I will continue, I will get up, I will put my feet forward. I think that is a key aspect that I know of you as well. Wow, I hadn't really thought about it that way. But yeah, thank
0: you for that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I have to contemplate that one, because I'm not I think you're right. I just hadn't thought of it that way. So I need to sit with that one for a little bit, but thank you. Mm -hmm. So this is an odd question that I have. Well, maybe not odd, but it's odd in this series, but it's something that comes up a lot. So many people believe that healers should not charge or charge very little for the work that they do. Mm -hmm. And each person has to decide that for themselves, but I'm interested in your opinion on this matter.
1: I, you know I've had this question branded about to me for many years and for the first 10 years of my healing practice I did everything pro bono I didn't charge a thing I led my classes in my basement for free Blah 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 even the drumming circle I only ever charged enough to make sure that I had coffee for the week and pay my rental fee right So I think that there is value in giving away information and knowledge. I think there is value in that. But I believe that the value that you place on your healing could be directly related to the value you place with the monetary assessment of that. Where I have chosen to live is I've chosen to live spiritually kind of in the middle. I have a day job that I have no interest in giving up. Even though my healing practice could sufficiently support me from a financial perspective, I know I could do this full time if I really wanted to. The difference, me, perhaps, with other um, humans in the healing practice is I never want my spirituality to become a job. So if I am forever relying on spirit to pay my bills, then it becomes a job and then that increases my anxiety, blah, 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 blah. So I do my healing work either in the evenings or on the weekends, so it's it's quite busy. I charge a nominal fee. I know that there are practitioners across the country of Canada that charge two and three times more per hour than I do. I know because I look into what my competitors, quote unquote, are charging. I know that there is that relationship between money and not charging. I think that's highly Judeo-Christian. I think that it comes from the poverty mentality. I think it comes from the mentality of, you know, God will provide, whatever the fuck that means. And I think that it is incumbent upon us to take care of ourselves, regardless of how other people think we should be taking care of things. I think that if I don't value myself, as I learned in the 10 years of doing free work, people don't value what I do. And it was only when I started charging a nominal fee that people came back with better feedback for the healing work. If people also charge a fee, what I've noticed, when I give homework, they do the homework. If I didn't charge a fee and I would say, now go do blah, 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 and then I would run into them and say, how did blah, 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 blah go? Oh, well, I never did it.
0: No, I think that's really important because um, – it, it, it comes up a lot. And I, I personally believe that um, money is a form of energy and it's that mm-hmm. energy change. Right. So I, I give away a lot um, freebies and I do the videos and the interviews and, and different things like that as well. But I think if you want to do the work and you actually want to make the change, you want to invest in yourself to do that. Right. Right. So right. I think that's important.
1: And I think in, I've been at this 25 years, I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on my training. I have spent enough time to earn a PhD in anthropology. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound um, you know, over evasive or effacive, but it takes a long time and a lot of energy to be able to stand where I stand with my commitment to spirit. And I feel that that has to be recognized, not because I'm more important, not because I consider myself an elder, not for anything like that. But I believe that in that reality of exchange, there has to be an evaluation of of, um, the importance of another human being or the value of another human being. And if you value what you receive, then you value it enough to give something that hurts. You know, one of my teaching, She charges quite a lot of money for any one of her sessions. And one of the students in the class has said, You know, what about people who can't afford it? And she said, Well, if they want the healing, they're going to afford it. Yeah. And, you know, and and she is booked for two years straight. So obviously, that's something that is true.
0: And I think it is. I think we often tell ourselves, and I know I've been guilty of this myself, I can't afford it. But where do we choose to spend our money? Right. And when, when we choose to spend our money in different ways, our life makes, goes in different paths. So, yeah. So that's a very Mm -hmm. good point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So another thing, uh, distance healing. Do you do distance healing and how does that work for you?
1: I do I do two different kinds of distant healing. There are some things that I will not do distance. Uh, you know, I can't I, I don't do depossession work in a distance because I prefer to see a person face to face. Distance work works two different ways in shamanic journey work. You can meet the person in the spirit world. Let's say so I'm just gonna say for soul retrieval. So if I'm doing a soul retrieval how I used to do it, would I would Retreat, do my journey, retrieve the pieces of the person that needed to come back, and then I would give it to my power animals and send it off. And I found that although there was success in that, that I, need, that I, I personally wanted to do more of it. If I'm doing work for someone an extraction, then I have a drawn physical, you know, I have a drawn body. And on top of that body, I will place stones or crystals. It's like pocket work like using something to replace somebody else. So I'll do that. I know people who use teddy bears, but I don't do teddy bears. I just don't, you know, it's like, ah. <laughs> no, I'm not a teddy bear person, but that's irrelevant. So that type of work I do in the, imagine, in the place of you know, the act of imagination. However, what I have found to be more useful in the last three or four years is to have someone who contacts me from another place to do the healing work, but then to send things to them through the mail and with strict instructions that they have to do X, Y, Z to follow up with what's going on, to put another onus on them. So my healing work has changed because I think unless you are really open to the abstract work, it's you, I don't necessarily know that the person on the other end is going to be open and receptive to actually what happened because it's pretty abstract. Mm -hmm. but I do the abstract work and then send you something tangible with instructions on how to gain more from this particular healing. I find that far more effective.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know that some people do distance work and some people don't and it, you know, and some people believe in it and some people don't depends, you know, all of those things, but I think Mm -hmm. energy is energy. So for me, that's, um, you know, it can be done anywhere, you know, that you have that energy connection. But I do, yeah, okay. So um, if you could change one aspect of our society through your healing work, what would it be?
1: Oh, man, compassion, compassion for the other person. Uh, And in compassion, watching language and watching actions. Uh, In compassion, recognizing the, 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 similarities and celebrating the differences and the diversity of each of us but i would from a society i would like us to deal more openly and honestly with what leads us to be compassionate human beings what leads us to have compassionate beginnings what leads us to better communication is understanding where the person comes from so in my healing work i would like us to engender compassion and expound compassion and build the heart in order to do that that would be my biggest hope right is to continue to teach people how to access their own level of compassion their own level of self-trust their own level of engagement and i think that we lose that sometimes
0: yeah i think so and you you see that a lot with what's going on around the world right now but i do think that those pockets of people who want to make change are starting to grow, and I hope. So. I don't know if we'll see, you know, really a significant change in our lifetime, but mm. um, hopefully in our
1: children's lifetime,
0: you know,
1: maybe. But we have seen huge changes too. Also, I mean, in it, I'm not arrested in Canada for having a view that isn't Christian modality. Mm. Uh, I, we both traveled extensively and we both know that in other places just being a dyke is going to get me in a lot of trouble in fact in some countries killed so i think that it's important to recognize like you said things are changing our attitudes are changing we're becoming pockets of us are becoming more inclusive pockets of us are becoming more open and willing to engage in communication with each other, and in communication, and recognition of diversity and inclusion.
0: Yes, no, that's very true. It just feels because um, I know that my own sphere of people and and the people that I surround myself with are very much like that. So mm-hmm. I feel like it should feel bigger. But when you look at the world and every chaos and and um, anger and all of that that's going on, it's hard to remember that that's what's happening. So yeah, I think we have to constantly bring that back to our attention. Yeah.
1: And also in that regard, it's important that I keep standing in the place of integrity and I stand in the place of my truth and I stand because I cannot control what other people do. I cannot control what other people say or think. Mm-hmm. And I don't always believe that if we're a true Uh, what's the word, like a true captain of our own ship uh, that nobody's going to, you know, play with us. Nobody's going to, you know, mess with us because I I know people mess with us. People like to take people on for just the sake of harming them or hurting them. But it's important to me to stand in integrity. It's important for me to to get out of the place of judgment because it's easy to stand in the place of judgment. It's actually easier to stand in the place of judgment than it is to stand in the place of understanding and compassion. So I think it, it has to come with me. But there are other times when we must say, I cannot give your view any more of my time. I'm not responsible to talking at your level. I'm not responsible for where you are. So I can actively choose to step aside. In this country, anyway, not if I was in Vietnam, not if I was in, you know, anywhere in Saudi Arabia. There are many things that I couldn't do. So I recognize that this place that we live affords us the security to, to be different mm-hmm. and recognizing not everyone has that affordability. Yes, absolutely. It, it, and, and it is, I
0: mean, I, I think that's that our place of, of privilege, if you will, um, Very much. even though we're women, even though we're gay, even though we're, you know, we have these other things against us. We're also white. We live in Canada. Um, A country that is quite secure and safe in a lot of ways, even though we do have some of our own issues. Um, So we do have a lot of privilege that we have to recognize and using that um, in ways to help other people, I think Mm -hmm. is really important. I agree. And, and, and standing in that place of integrity, I think is really important too. And, and standing Mm -hmm. up to people, but not always engaging people um, who just want to fight for the sake of fighting. Right. Yeah, recently mm-hmm. I've I've had to learn to just block and not engage <laughs> because some people you're not going to change their mind you're not going to so why why even go there you know having a especially with my nonprofit mm-hmm. a new thing as it becomes more um, it, as it becomes more uh, noticed uh, and it's you know helping LGBTQ uh, youth plus. The alphabet soup youth um <laughs> more and more people yeah, more and more people are are coming out of the closet and have things to say and it's like you know what i'm just not even going to engage this we're just going to block you and concentrate on the people who need our help and concentrate on the people who want to support that help so yeah mm-hmm. i completely understand that um mm-hmm. and it's true with you know even with healing modalities and people not understanding it's it's very true um you know like not going to change people's minds if they're set in stone so just don't engage it but the people who are curious give them the information that they want and share with them so that they can make those choices yeah that's very true Mm -hmm. Um, so one last question so what inspirational quote sums up your life journey
1: oh I thought long and hard about this I did and I went to some of my favorite books and then i thought no that's not me so i'm going to tell you my inspirational story okay so what inspires me is a beautiful shaman by the name of maria sabina and she is from the northern mountains in mexico maria sabina was a woman who held many ceremonies with the little people and the little people are mushrooms or psychedelic mushrooms this was during a time when north america hadn't begun the magic mushroom revolution of, you know, the 60s. So there were two two scientists who went down who were quite interested. Gordon Wasson is one of their names. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to participate in the ceremony. Maria's people had never let outsiders into their ceremonies. She had been doing and practicing work with the little people when she was, she wrote about it when she was six years old, wrote about her experiences. So for her, the little people are her life. When she went to ask the little people if she could share the ceremony with the two outsiders, the little people said, it is, I'm paraphrasing obviously, it's incumbent upon you to do so. We give you instructions and we agree that you can allow this to happen. So Maria said it did. She invited the two Westerners, the two outsiders in because the little people had told her. As a result, she lost everything. She was thrown out of her community. She no longer was able to associate with her tribe or with her family. And why does she inspire me in that regard? Why does that story inspire me? Because her whole world she sacrificed for the love of spirit. And I have sacrificed so much for my dedication to spirit. I've lost so many things along the way. So I, Find her inspirational because of the story of sacrifice for spirit, and that is a story that I have brought deeply into the core of my psyche and is one of the primary components of my spiritual path is that spirit is all I mean that that 's how life is so i don 't have an inspirational quote, but I have a human being that I find inspirational and certainly I don't, I haven't lost as much as Maria and I hope never to lose as much as Maria. However, her dedication to spirit and her willingness to carry on when all around her fell away is remarkable. It, you know what? That seems like the perfect
0: quote for you because <laughs> <it's> <laughs> you, the storyteller who, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like as as I as you said that I was like, yeah, you're not really a quote person. You're you're a storyteller. And so that was perfect and it it seems really fitting what you know what I know from being friends with you and and watching mm-hmm. over the years and what you have given up for spirit. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that seems that seems really fitting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I really appreciate it. And I will share your links and um, everything when I uh, post this. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited you were my first. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm really excited for Creative i I'm excited for all the things you're doing. I really am.